Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Judges, chapter 6. God is looking for champions. Champions are not those who have never gone through anything. Champions are those who go through things and prevail. Champions are not those who never suffer. Champions are those who prevail. I want us to look today in continuing our series on coaching champions in the kingdom. I want us to see that God's heart is looking for champions. In chapter 6, in verse 1, we see that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. How many of you know that sometimes as wonderful and loving and compassionate as our God is, sometimes if we insist on continually doing that which is evil, eventually God allows us to taste a real big dose of what we have sown. And verse 2 says, The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel found themselves or made for themselves dens, caves, strongholds which are in the mountains to hide themselves <clears throat> so it was whenever Israel had sown the Midianites would come up and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them anybody here say I've been sowing a lot but it seems like my harvest gets stolen every time so it was that they would come against when the Israelites would sow, that is, the crops for their food. And then, verse 4, they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. They would not only destroy the food, they would destroy all those animals that helped raise and reap the food. Verse 5. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. They were innumerable. They were massive in their amount. And they would enter the land to destroy it. So, verse 6, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Can I ask you something? Are you experiencing an impoverishment today? Maybe it is emotional. Maybe you've cried all you can cry. Maybe you have tried all you can try. Maybe you have sought and sought and sought and there doesn't appear to be an answer in sight. Maybe you're financially impoverished. 
Maybe your body is in such an impoverished state that disease has taken over. There's no ease in your body. There's disease. Israel was greatly impoverished. Notice what they did about it. They cried out to the Lord. Now this was not a single emotional burst. This means that they continually cried out to the Lord. There is power in a heart cry. You know, anybody can whine, but when we cry out from our whole heart, it moves the heart of God. Many believers get real uncomfortable and ask for relief, but when God really moves is when we become unwilling and unable to, to, to go on any farther in our strength and we cry out to God from our whole heart. He hears. So I'm encouraging you today that there's power in a heart cry. And it came to pass, verse 7, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of what they were going through and who was oppressing them, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, here's a word from God. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. And then he begins to remind them about his past track record. I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. Out of all who oppressed you in the past, I brought you through the Red Sea. I have brought you out of all that oppression. And also I said to you, verse 10, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now look at something interesting here. They cried out and continually cried out with a heart cry, and God sent them a word from Him. In this case, it was a word through a human instrument, through a prophet. I've got some good news for you today. If you're in an impoverished place, emotionally, financially, relationally, if you will continue to cry out to God in faith, God will send you an answer. Sometimes it may be, as the children of Israel, it may be through a, a, a man or woman of God. It may be through a voice of a human. It could be in, a, in any multitude of ways that God chose. But He chose to use the voice of a prophet here, and He reminded them, of his mighty things in the past. You know, one of the great things that I've learned is whenever I am in present pain, God often reminds me of past deliverance. I said, one of the greatest things we can do when we, our circumstances have us by the throat is to remember how God delivered us in the past. And then we begin to understand, look, I've been through a lot worse things than this. And God has brought me through that. He can bring me through this. And instead of forecasting our doom, we ought to proclaim His faithfulness. Well, understand... 
Well, let's keep reading. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. God not only sent a prophet, he sent an angel, a messenger, which was in Ophrah and which belonged to Joash the Abizarite while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. You see something interesting there? He threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now hold on just a minute. Does that sound like a mighty man of valor to you? Trying to hide? Trying to survive? Hiding himself in a wine press to beat out some wheat so the Midianites and Malachites wouldn't find out and have his food stolen? He was trying to eke out a living? He was in a bad place. He was in an isolated place. What I want to tell you today is God calls out people and gives them assignments many times when they're in a place of great adversity. You may be today in a hard place. You may be in an isolated place. You may be thinking, you may have gone into a self-preservation mode. Because of all my business circumstances, my personal life, I am going into a self-preservation, a survival mode. And many times that causes us to isolate. Many people deal with their isolation and with their oppression in many different things. But if you're, if you're trying to deal with it in a way that brings you relief, you're never going to get resolution. Relief is the enemy of resolution. If you are in that isolated place trying to self-preserve, many times you may, tr you may turn to alcohol or drugs or, or sexual sin or pornography or any number of things that might just make you feel better in your little isolated world, but it'll never bring resolution. It'll just further entrap you. God is searching for a champion, and you may be, right now, you may feel like you're enslaved to your circumstances, but you may be in a place right now that God has overseen to put you in a place where you can get your next assignment. Many times, many times, that is a place of obscurity where we feel isolated, where we feel like nobody knows who we are. How could we be a champion? You ever thought about David? A little forgotten, youngest member of the family out herding around a bunch of sheep. And God sent a prophet to his father Jesse's house and said, I've got, I've got somebody to anoint here. And he passed these great, good-looking, strong specimens. And God said to Samuel every time, not him, not him, not him, not him. And finally, he ran out of sons. And Samuel said, is this it? God hasn't spoken to me yet. And he said, well, um, oh, yeah, I do have one more. He, he's, he's out there in the pasture. Samuel said, bring him in. 
Jesse brought him in, and the Spirit of the Lord said to Samuel, there's the man right there. Arise and anoint him with oil. That's the next king of Israel. Simon Peter was just a fisherman. He was trying to make his living fishing. And one day, one obscure day, Jesus walked down the beach. And he looked him in the eye and he said, from now on, you follow me. I'm going to make you fisher, a fisher of men. Obscure, isolated. Became one of the leading apostles of the church. One of the authors of Holy Scripture. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You may be in a place right now that you think you're, you're isolated. Nobody will ever discover you. There is no way you could be a champion from where you are right now. You may be on the brink of disaster in any number of ways. Can I tell you something? Many times in Scripture, many times, God calls out champions in the context of great pain or adversity. Many times. You know one reason why? Because the world is dying out there to hear a voice of hope, but they don't give much relevance to that voice of hope if that voice of hope has never tasted any difficulty. I'm telling you, there are champions in this room right now, I know it as sure as I'm standing here, that you feel like that you may be on the brink. Life has run you over. You may have gone through a divorce. You might have gone through a death. You might have gone through a financial disaster. Your business might have died. You might be in an isolated place. I want to tell you something. You are on the brink of being able to get your assignment from a God who's going to call you up and call you out and use you as a champion in His kingdom. Now I have the Word of God to back me up on this. Champions are usually formed in the crucible and in the context of great pressure. So where you are today doesn't matter to the one who's calling you to be a champion. It doesn't matter. Let's notice the exchange here between the angel of the Lord and Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon while he was in that hiding place. And he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Look at what Gideon said to him. Verse 13. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles we heard about? Our forefathers have told us about your mighty hand and how you delivered them from Egypt, how you brought them in through dry ground and delivered them and then washed the seas back over the Egyptians. We've heard about that till we're blue in the face. Where are all the miracles? You ever feel that way? If you are who you say you are, where are you?
And we're going to see something interesting here in just a minute. Notice that in all these questions of why God didn't beat him up. In fact, when, when God sent his angel to speak to him, he didn't say, what do you think you're doing? Notice God didn't say, what a failure you are, Gideon, hiding here, trying to eke out a living as a coward. If you have ever tried to motivate somebody with shame, you understand it won't work. God doesn't motivate people with shame. He comes to this cowering man and he said, you are a valiant warrior. And none of his circumstances looked like it. He looked like he was in a remote, isolated, forgotten God said, you are a valiant warrior. Have you gotten hold of what God says about you through his word? Have you read and studied Ephesians 1 about how God says you're holy and righteous and blameless in Christ Jesus? Do you understand that his word says you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you? Do you understand that he has chosen not to hold your sin against you anymore? Do you understand that nothing is impossible with your God? Do you understand that God has said things about you that you need to believe and begin to act on? God doesn't find you and start shaming you to get you. Look, shame does not bring correction. Guilt has never caused correction. We have got to get revelation that we... That to be the champions of God and for us to be used to call people into being champions, you don't ever start with shame. You don't ever say, well, why did you do that? Why did you put yourself there? God speaks right where we are and he calls us by how he sees us, not by how we're performing. Let me say that one more time. God speaks over us the way he sees us, not by the way we're performing. You're his daughter. You're his son. He loves you. Does the Holy Spirit correct us? Yes. So we don't self-destruct. Why has all this happened to us? Notice, God didn't say anything negative to Gideon about him asking why. God didn't say, it's wrong to ask why. I've heard that. I don't believe it, but I've heard it. Well, it's just wrong to ask why. Really? You never read what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus, who never sinned? When he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? You don't ever feel that way? It is okay to say, God, why? He doesn't beat anybody up for doing that. 
It's not okay, however, to force, try to force God into explaining something to us before we're willing to go on and believe Him and obey Him. Faith and obedience, is a lack of faith and obedience is not okay. Let's notice what happened here. Then the Lord turned to him, verse 14. This is, to me, very interesting. In verse 13, Gideon said, why has all this happened to us? Why am I going through this? Why don't you deliver me? Why don't you make this different? And notice God's answer, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Who listen, 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 listen. Many times when you cry out to God, why, 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 many times the only thing you're going to hear from Him is your next assignment. Sometimes... When you want an answer before you're willing to move on, God will just call you to take the next right step. And you will eventually find out by taking the next right steps if He so ordained. Notice God didn't get into a discussion. He didn't get into anything except He, be, he gave Gideon his next assignment so if you're saying God why am I here why am I stuck right here why can't I seem to move why am I going through this don't be surprised if the next clear thing you hear from the Holy Spirit is an assignment he wants you to accomplish you know why because God Almighty knows that where you are today is being used to accomplish something on your behalf and for His glory tomorrow. And God knows that you are going to be the best candidate to do what He wants to do. Sometimes when I've cried out in my life, the whys and the struggles and the frustrations... Only until I received my next assignment and just got up the next day and did the next right thing. Some of you are looking for a light in your bedroom at 2 a.m. to say, God spoke to me. You may not get that. You get up and do the next right thing. Empowered by the grace of God. Revelation is progressive. Go in this might of yours, verse 14, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Notice the next question that Gideon asked. Oh, my Lord, he said it again. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Here's the third question. First of all, he said, where are all the stuff, the miracles? 
Why are we here to begin with? And his third question, how? You want, you're going to deliver Israel through me? There are multitudes of the Midianites and Amalekites and all the ites out there. How? Those are three pretty good questions, aren't they? Notice, notice what he says. My Lord, how can I save Israel? Verse 15, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Don't you understand, God? Do you not get it that my family has never amounted to anything? We're not prominent. We don't have political power. We don't have military training. And besides that, if you polled the people in my family, I would be on the bottom. I have been the least successful of everybody in my family. So how could you possibly do this? Notice God didn't speak to Gideon in verse 16 about his limitations. God spoke to Gideon about his resources. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. I will be with you and I will defeat the Midianites. You, because of me, will defeat the Midianites as easy as taking out one man. Can I ask you something today? Do you understand that God Almighty is greater than any issue that you've got by far? Do you understand that every way the devil is trying to bring destruction or every way that life has run you over, do you not understand that you have a God who is with you and he will get you successfully through anything he has assigned you? There is nothing too difficult for him. First Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that God will not allow us to go through that which is, is tempting or trying beyond what we're able with his strength and his grace. So God said to Gideon, I am with you. It is not going to be a problem for me because I am going to be with you. You will prevail. Do you all know? You're going to get through anything you're going through? Because the God of the universe and the Savior of the world and the Holy Spirit, your comforter, is going to get you through anything that you have to go through on this side. Nothing is greater than Him. He has seen the end from the beginning, and He will prevail. And so will you. So notice what Gideon does next. He says in verse 17, okay, if I have now found favor in your sight, show me a sign. Just show me a sign. Now, we shouldn't be so hard on Gideon because we've all been there, done that. Amen? Show me. You know, I've written in your outline something that I really believe is true. It's okay to ask for God to confirm His voice to you. It's okay to ask Him to restrain that which is not His plan. It's okay to ask Him to intervene. 
But it's not okay to refuse to believe and obey his word once he has spoken. Always looking for, okay, I've got the word of God, I've got the spirit of God living in me, but I want you to do something radical to give me a sign. Sometimes you don't get that because if you remember, Jesus said in Matthew 12 that it is an evil generation that are always looking for signs. Having heard the word of God and seen the ministry of Jesus, he said to the Pharisees, it, it, you are evil to always look for signs. Look, Gideon didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost in the New Testament age, after the resurrection of Jesus hadn't happened yet, he didn't have the advantage you have. He didn't have a completed canon, a copy of the scriptures like you have. He was asking for a sign. Why did God give it to him? Well, this is just my opinion. But sometimes I believe God gives signs based on the hugeness, the magnitude of the assignment and based on the risk involved for obeying the assignment. Did Gideon have a risk? His life, his family, his nation, everything was at risk if he failed. Everything. So God, in grace, gave him a son. Notice, what, notice Gideon wanted to continue to call the shots. Verse 18. He said to the angel of the Lord, don't depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering, and I'm going to set it before you, and, 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 and then I'll wait till you come back. Now, the angel said, I'll wait till you come back. Go ahead. So he went, and he prepared an offering. He prepared bread and flour, and he, he prepared a broth, and he comes out, verse 20, and the angel of the Lord said to him, you take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Notice what Gideon said then in verse 22. Now I'm going to die. It wasn't enough to see this sign. He says, he's always looking at the negative side. Instead of saying, oh, thank you, God, I can do this. He said, uh-oh, I'm going to die now. I've seen the hand and the angel of God, and I'm going to be history. Hey, it's about time for all of us to begin to, to look at circumstances and to speak through the, through the lens of the Word of God instead of the fear that rises up in all of us. Amen? And the angel of the Lord, verse 23, said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You're not going to die. You know what he did that same night? This was huge. Remember, God usually gives signs based on the magnitude of the assignment and the risk involved of obeying the sign. That very night, he did something 
that if he hadn't believed God would have killed him the next morning. As soon as daylight came, he'd have been a dead man. He took guys under his authority, and at night he went, he took a big animal, and he tied ropes around the pagan altars of a little god named Baal that the children of Israel had started worshiping, thus they're in slavery. And he took his own father's altar built to a pagan god, and right in the middle of the camp, he tore it down in the middle of the night. And when the citizens of the camp, including his own family, got up the next morning, they said, oh, 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 who has torn down our altar? We were depending on Baal to protect us from the, uh, from the Midianites and the Amalekites. We thought maybe when they saw Baal, they would have mercy on us. Who did this? Well, it was discovered that Gideon and his compatriots had acted in faith and courage. And so all the men of the camp rose up and said, he's got to die. He has got to die. And Gideon's father, whose own altar had been destroyed, to self-preserve his son, said, if Baal is who he says he is, let him fight for himself. That appeased the men, and Gideon escaped. Can I tell you something? If you're on an assignment from God, you are not going to have your light snuffed out until you have fulfilled the assignment he's given you. Well, I got a whole lot to go, but I got to quit right there. I'm going to continue this next time, the Lord willing. Amazing thing happened to Gideon when he obeyed his assignment. Are you listening? Don't quit listening to me because I told you I was wrapping up now. Amazing thing happened to Gideon when he began to obey the Lord. The Lord told Gideon, you got too many resources for me to use you to do this assignment. Because if you succeed then you will think and everybody else will think you succeeded because you were so awesome. You got way too much stuff that's getting in your way to keep you from obeying me. Are y'all listening to me? Sometimes when you want to hear God's assignment, he will show you what you've really been depending on instead of him. And if there's something that you're depending on instead of him to succeed, you have to face it and eliminate it. Now, will that be a day of fun and party? No, but the celebration of the victory will be because it is sure and steadfast.
We're going to talk about that the next time that the Lord gives me. Now our next meeting next Sunday will be the Sunday before Thanksgiving. I will bring a message and we will have Holy Communion together at Thanksgiving next Sunday. I hope you will be with me. Would you stand please? Would you say this with me? Mighty Father, thank you for your holy word. Help me to receive out of this message what you have for me. I feel like sometimes I'm in a desperate place. But I know now, after seeing from Gideon, that you have assigned me to help those who are in bondage all around me. Now let me stop right here and tell you all something. There are people all around every one of you who are sick in their heart. They are discouraged. They're full of fear. God has assigned you to be a voice of encouragement, a voice of hope, a voice of perspective. To all those people that He has assigned to you all around. Your ministry is not in this building. Your ministry is out there in your home, in your business, in your community. There are people all around you that He wants to use you to speak a voice of encouragement and hope and faith to. An assignment that is holy right in the midst of a hard place. Your assignment usually is born out of a difficult or hard place. Say this with me. Mighty God, you can count on me. I have questions, but I believe, and I will obey. Show me the next right step, and I will do it. And I believe that you will bring the results that you have desired. I want to be a champion in your kingdom. Use me. Rise up on the inside of me, Spirit of God, and use me to call people up and out of where they are to where our God wants to take them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I better let you go. I'm just going to start preaching all over again. I'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.